Good morning. Welcome to Welcome to Mary Baptist Church. This is the day the Lord has made. We should rejoice and be glad in it. And if you are visiting with us this morning, we want to say welcome to you. Ask God to bless you this morning. Ask you to fill out the little visitor card. You'll find it one new place and often places that can have a record of your visit. And that way, we can begin praying for you. If you're online visiting with us this morning, or if you're at home this morning, because you're not feeling well and joining us online, we also want to welcome you and let you know that we miss you and are praying for you for a quick recovery. All right. So uh, we do have several church members out this morning. They're not feeling well. We have several that are uh, traveling. So please keep them in prayer. Those would be about. Let me just tell you a little bit about what's going on at Robinson Avenue this week. Well, number one, we are still going to have a class tomorrow night. We'll have our eschatology book club that's going to be from 6 to 8. Here in that class, I want to remind you, you need to read complete with chapter 10 of the book you left behind. So come and be a part of that uh, tomorrow night. It's going to be a lot of fun. And so I'd like you to be uh, included in that. Coming up this week, we'll have our ladies' Bible study on Tuesday at 9 30 and again at 6 30 in the evening. We'll have our Wednesday night uh, prayer service at 6 30 and Thursday night men's uh, Bible study at 6 30. Uh, with that being said, you had, if you missed out on prayer breakfast yesterday, you missed out on a wonderful treat. The food was good, the fellowship was fantastic, and the word was good. So things went really, really well yesterday, and we had a, a good crowd, but we're looking for a bigger crowd. You need to come out and be a part of that at 7 o'clock on the third Saturday of every month. So we'll be picking that back up again in February. Uh, what's coming up, though, at RABC is our Chili Cook-Off. And I want to invite you to be a part of that as well. In fact, I want to invite you to complete one now. Everybody's got one of those secret recipes that are somehow or another one of blue ribbon somewhere back in Indiana or Michigan or Minnesota or Wisconsin, maybe even in the Dakotas. You never know. And you want one of those blue ribbons with your chili recipe. And I want to invite you back. I want to challenge you. Compete with us here at Robinson Baptist Church. We're going to have four categories of competition. We're going to have uh, the people's choice. That's the overall. And everyone there gets to vote on what they think is the best chili. The judges will pick the blue ribbon chili. And out of those blue ribbon chilies, they'll pick the hottest, the spiciest, uh, the overall best tasting, and uh, the best tasting in the exotic. And I'm not really sure what exotic means. We are in Texas. So, you never know what it's got to be. So, I mean, beer chili is normal to us. Amen? Armadillo meat? <laughs> no roadkill, all right? None of that. That is not exotic. <laughs> so, that's coming up on the 29th. Entry is free. You can compete for free. But when you come in, we're asking for donations at the door. Those donations are going to help fund our youth to the winter camp. All right. Uh, with that being said, I think that's all of our upcoming announcements. I think that's all our upcoming events. So uh, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Let's be afraid. Please rise and welcome one another. Father, we come today in Jesus' name. I thank you for the day you've given us. Thank you for the blessings that we worship, Lord. May we worship you in Jesus' name. And I pray, Lord God, that you can take a on the front end. Let today be the day, Lord, that renewal and revival begin. And I pray, Lord, it would spread from Robinson Avenue throughout our city of Huntsville. From Tuscaloosa to our county of Coriel, and from Coriel to our great state of Texas, Lord God, we are asking for revival. We're asking for salvation. We're asking for repentance. We're asking for renewal. We're asking for you to be with us, Lord. And that's what we need, Lord God. 
Father, help us to acknowledge where we are. short and help us, Father God, to pray for you. Be with those who are out traveling. Be with those who are out here sick. And let them know we love them. And pray for 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 them. And
It was my prayer that you'll be able to say that I'll fly away one day. One day. One of these days, church, the Son of God is going to come back and the skies are going to rip open. He's going to reach down and take his children in the twinkling of an eye. We'll be gone. Hallelujah. We're going to fly away. It's my prayer you're going to be with him. Woo. We're going to stay with him forever and ever and ever. No more death. No more pain. No more disease. No more sickness. Nothing but joy with the Lord forever. Hallelujah. Woo. Can you feel it this morning? I know you can feel how close it is. Our Bible tells us when these things start to happen, don't be discouraged. Don't be distraught. Look up, church. Your redemption draweth nigh. It's time. We need to be rejoiced and celebrate. We're getting ready to go home. Some of you after the few things. Get busy. Get busy. Find that person out there that needs Jesus. Find that neighbor that needs Jesus. Find them to bring Christ to them. We sang a lot of good songs this morning. You sing that one with me, the Revelation song. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. While I was singing that, all I could think of was the prophet Isaiah as he saw the Lord and the cherubim before him, and they sang out, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And I wonder what that would have sounded like in our day of year. Holy, holy, holy are you, Lord God. What that would have been like to hear. No wonder he left that vision being a prophet. Go like this. If you have your Bibles with you this morning, would you turn to the to the Gospel of Luke, chapter 8? The Gospel of Luke, chapter 8. The title this morning's message is Preaching How You Feel. Preaching How You Feel. Boy, that's a loaded question right there, isn't it? Preaching How You Feel. If you're a husband this morning, you're already looking over at your wife thinking, Is he talking to me? Go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we come to now in Jesus' name. We want to thank you for your word, Lord. Your word is quick and it's powerful. It's something we need to be sword. And I pray right now, Father God, your sword will cut down into our hearts. Cut into our spirit, Lord God. Convict us. And if there be anybody that needs to come to know this person, the Lord, the Savior, anybody, Father God, needs to put heart up with you, anybody, Lord, that needs to make a decision for you, would you let this morning be the morning? We give you the praise, honor, and glory. We ask you to edify us. Read with me, Alan. Gospel of Luke, chapter 8, verse 18. Just one verse. The Bible says, Therefore, take heed how you hear. And whoever has, to him more will be given. And whoever does not have, even what he seems to have, will be taken from him. I gave you a beautiful picture this morning of a young lady with her ears. This message this morning is all about hearing. It's all about listening. It's all about what about what you see. You see, you see. Isn't it refined nowadays that 
hearing is a pretty progressive process, isn't it? We choose what we want to hear. We choose what we listen to. Sometimes we hear that noise in the background, and that's exactly what we think of it. It's just noise in the background. And we do the same thing with God. What we do? So what comes to mind with the word hear? What comes to your mind when you hear that? The word hear. Literally, what Jesus is saying when you read through the Gospel of Luke there, chapter 8, he says, be careful. If I were to put a modern day twist on it, he would say something like this. Be careful how you listen. Be careful how you listen. I know you can hear, but be careful how you listen. Or better yet, maybe it would be easier to translate it. Be careful for what you listen to. Be careful for what you listen to. Are you listening today? Are you listening to God's voice today? Now, there is a big difference between listening and hearing. Did you know that? A big difference between listening and hearing. Listening, if we were to define it, it would actually be the act of one who listens. Listening is the act of one who listens. Did you hear that? Listening is the act of one who listens. It's the actual physical act of listening. Listening. I made it a point here. Young and in Bible school, they taught us what they called active listening. Somewhere down the line, every Baptist preacher, every Baptist minister, whether they be music minister or pastor, we go from active listening to passive listening. It's human nature. If you're a husband, you become a passive listener if you've been married more than five years. Now you get amen. You say, What does that mean? What are you trying to talk about, Pastor? What is the difference between listening and hearing? Listening is the act of one who listens. Hearing, however, is the sense by which sound is perceived. In other words, it's the capacity to hear. And I need you to remember, yes, Jesus is talking about a physical ability. He's also talking about a spiritual ability. Every one of us has that ability. You have the ability to hear what God is saying. You have the ability to hear what the Spirit is saying. You do! You need to take heed how you listen. Let's look at the real-life definition for a minute. Listening, we would define nowadays easily as self-passive paying attention. I'm looking at you in the eyes and actively listening. I let go of my, my verbal body cues that said I'm closed off. You know when you're talking to somebody and their hands go like this, you know what they mean? I'm not listening to you. You ever talk to somebody and they do this? You know what that means? Hurry up, dude. They have body language. You ever have someone do this? Your body language can be a lot, right? It speaks to a lot about how you hear those things. Look at those real life definitions. Listening is paying attention to the listening eye. You are actively trying to understand what they're saying. Hearing, however, doesn't necessarily have to be listening. Hearing is knowing there's a sound, but not necessarily that Let me give you an example of what I'm talking about. I've been 
put the few jokes out this morning that's been married more than five years, and you know what's typically been listening to him because your wife has undoubtedly asked you, Are you listening to me? And you have heard her, but did not respond. And he's angry in the Baptist church. Are you listening? Your wife has come up to you and said, Did you hear what I said? And really what she says is, Are you listening to me? I think you hear me. I'm not just annoyed in the background because people bother me. You're a father, and your kids are making harmless noises. You learn to clean them out until the noises become something you need to be concerned about. Or, you know what I'm talking about? That sensitivity becomes powerful, doesn't it? We can hear it, and we can learn what is just background noise. What we need to listen to. We talk to a small group of Jesus, 
spiritually speaking, we all give. Not all of us see that. But every one of us is a spirit. We're spirit, you know? Not all of us see spiritually. Let me tell you, if we were to be able to see spiritually, we're sitting in this country right now. We would all be on our knees. Every one of us would be repenting before our holy and righteous God. Every one of us would be crying out for mercy. Repent me, for the kingdom of God is at hand. Literally, what he means is that you can see that you put the hand reached out in front of you. You do this. Spiritual battle is all the best. But we can't all see that every one of us can do this. You have preaching, you have examples, you have moms, you have dads.
Your mother and your brothers are here, and they want to pull you away from what God is doing. They want to take you away from God's will, and they want to get you out of what God is doing. And Jesus is reminding us, I hear what God says, and my mother and my brothers are those who hear the word of God. You distracted lately, and you're letting life come between you and your relationship with God. And you're saying, Lord, my life is falling apart, and Put all those distractions. You know what some of the big distractions are in the church today? Are you ready for this? Big distractions in the modern day church. Music. Music can come between you and God. You know, more churches have split over music than not. Churches have split over the color of carpet, paint on the walls. They have split over things that make absolutely positively no Over whether or not a class is upstairs or downstairs. Hearing those distractions is our first example. Jesus knows those distractions. And he knows that they definitely feel like, and you in particular are no exception. The devil is going to try to distract you. He's going to bring things in front of you. Usually, he's going to bring things that will catch your eye, things that you listen to, things that you care about. Notice what he brought to Jesus. Mom and his brother. Can I get an amen to that? Some of you might say, I don't care about my mom and brother. Well, you got a problem, don't you? You got a major spiritual problem. Jesus compares, Jesus loves and cares about his mom and his brother. However, he's not going to let that distraction take him away from what God is doing. Christianity sometimes will come you better believe it can. How many of you get up in the morning with the sole purpose of praying to God, and you get up by yourself at 5 o'clock, and sure enough, somebody else gets up and says, hey, talk to me for a minute. And you're thinking to yourself, it was all about me and you, God. Huh? Am I preaching to the choir this morning? No, I'm not. They're not there. They're not there. And you let things come between you and God. You say, wait a minute. Deuteronomy 6, verse 4, we find a very important verse in the Jewish a very important verse in all of Christendom. The Bible says it's a very famous statement. We call it the Shema. In fact, the Shema is the very first Hebrew word in that sentence. Shema. Shema Yisrael. Adonai Elohim. Adonai Had. Baruch Shabbat. Nakut Yolam Bayez. Here is the Lord our God. He is one. He is one. Here, oh Israel. Did you hear that particular command. We love to quote, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your mind, and all your strength. But we forget sometimes the very first word of that command. Listen. Hear. Learn to settle down your heart and your mind. Learn to get rid of the distractions and listen to what God is saying. He knows this. The Lord our God. The Lord is one. Let's just say God is one. God is not many. So we're quick to divide our time between God and somebody else, aren't we? The Lord is one. He deserves all. 
The Lord is one. He deserves everything. The Lord is one. He deserves all your worship. Not part of it, not 50%, not 20%, not 99%. 100%. Why? Because the Lord your God is one. Hail Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord He is one. Thank you, you read the rest of Deuteronomy 6 and verse 46. They teach it to their sons. Teach it to them when they go outside the door. They reach up and touch the mezuzah. And I believe you have six more than one Jesus because I love those things. Two in my office, actually two in my office, one on the front door, one on the back door, one on the bookcase. You come to my house, there's one at the front door and one on my bedroom door. And people ask me, what is a mezuzah? You know what's inside that mezuzah? Deuteronomy 6, verse 4. Hell is the Lord our God. He is one. Actually, it's the entire chapter of Scripture there. And inside it, notice the Shaddai uh, right there in front of it. The Hebrew letter Shem standing for Shaddai right there. The Lord our God, He is one. Right there in front of it. That's like a touch of every time it goes in and out. Remember those things. I need to listen to Shaddai. I need to listen to Shem. And distractions are going to come. I know they're going to come. Notice what Jesus said when Mary and his brothers showed up. He said, those that hear the word of God are my mother and my brother. Distractions are most certainly going to come when you decide to give yourself wholly to God's will. Distractions always come. Distractions will be there. They can be something so intimate as your mother and your brothers, and they can be something so distracting as children or uh, big, horrible noises. Come. Let's look at our second example this morning. Look with me in Luke chapter 8. Let's take a look at verse 22 to 25. Our second example. Remember, the first one is dealing with distractions when you're listening to God. Dealing with distractions. Let's take a look at the second one right here. Luke 8, 22 to 25. Now it happened on a certain day that he got into a boat with his disciples. And I don't know about you, that should already be a distraction. Somebody say amen. Most of his Fishermen, most of his disciples were already fishermen, and you know they were already saying, That's not a good boat. That boat's too big. That boat's too small. That boat's not the one I would have bought if I was buying a boat. I'm an expert fisherman. If we were going to be fishing, we would use this kind of boat. And you know that's exactly what's going on there. He got into a boat with his disciples, and he said to them, Let us cross over to the other side of the lake. And they launched out. I wonder who was playing captain at that moment. Was it Peter? And as they sailed, he fell asleep. And the windstorm came. Let me tell you, Jesus must be pretty special. He fell asleep with those guys in charge of the boat. To me, that would be like falling asleep with the three seasons. Would you do that? Probably not. Probably not. But you know, Jesus got nothing to worry about, right? Jesus says, I'm not letting nothing distract me. I've got this. And he fell asleep. And incidentally, there's a lot in that verse. This is really neat. Those of you that, that love prophecy and the connection of prophecy, Jesus and Jonah are very connected. And Jesus oftentimes says things like, There will be no sign given you other than the sign of the prophet Jehovah. And falling asleep in a boat is connected to Jonah. And the later on, I'm saying that in your own Bible. So, for those of you that love to speak on the word of God and hear everything out of it that you can, uh, he fell asleep and a windstorm came. came down on the lake, and they were filling with water. These professional fishermen, that's right, 
Peter and Andrew, James and John, wonderful fishermen who made a living doing it. All of a sudden, their boat is beginning to sink. And the Bible says, the point is, it was not very dramatic. It was very real. And the water was coming in. This is water. very scary. Very scary. Especially when you can't see the bottom. But even professional fishermen, and surely they've been out in that sea many times. Surely they've swam out there many times. And I'm wondering what would have happened if they decided just to go swimming that day. Would it be different? Remember, a windstorm is coming. This little boat is going to be tossed back and forth on the waves, and the waves are crashing over top of this little boat, and the water is coming in the little boat and to the point where they're sinking. Yet Jesus is still asleep. How do you do that? Because of Jesus. How many of y'all can sleep in a puddle of water? Jesus can do it. They came to him in verse 24 and awoke him, saying, Master, Master, we are perished. And he arose, he rebuked the wind and the raging of the water, and they ceased and they were calm. If you have a modern translation, might even say that it was very calm. And he said to them, Where is your faith? And they were afraid and marveled, saying to one another, Teaching the sea, and he commands even the wind and the water, and they obey. Well, this example is really kind of key in the world. The first one's about learning to avoid distraction when you're giving your heart to listen to God. And what's the second one about? The second one kind of has two lessons in one. Number one, it's about Jesus. Remember, Jesus is asleep in the boat. Remember, Jesus is not doing anything. He's sleeping. He's there. He's snoring. He's snoozing. He's not concerned at all about what's going on around him. He's not concerned about what the disciples are doing. He's not concerned about what the wind is doing. He's not concerned about the water is doing. And he's certainly not concerned about where the boat is going. Why? Because he knows that inside of his hand, he has all things. He knows that he holds the whole world in his hand. And he's not at all concerned about it. However, the disciples are beginning to be concerned. The wind starts blowing that boat. The water begins to come over top of the boat. These professional fishermen begin to perceive that they're truly in danger. Truly in danger. They begin to realize, I can swim, but I can't swim that far back to sea. And I don't know about you, but they probably didn't have life jackets in this And there certainly was no oats or moms and dads on there saying, you better put that on when you're in that boat. There was no game warden driving by, so you're not wearing your life jacket. All of a sudden, these professional fishermen and the rest of the disciples began to be concerned. They thought they might die. They go to Jesus with all this water. You know, you might be thinking this is a big boat, this is not this is a big boat. Jesus is up in the bow of the boat, up in the front of the boat, where it's seen rock back and forth, and the wind is crashing over the top of it, and the water is
hurts him, what concerns him, is when one of his children come up to him and say, God, I'm dying. God, help me. That's what woke Jesus up. It wasn't the rocket on the boat. It wasn't the wind. It wasn't the water coming in. It wasn't the storm. It wasn't the clap of thunder. But one of his children came up and said, Father, God, save me. He was up licking his sweat. Lord, this is more serious than I thought it was. I thought it was something I could handle. And you know what? You might be doing that for me. Man, I thought I had this thing falling apart. I had this deception going. I had this lie. My wife didn't know about it. My husband didn't know about it. My children don't know about it. My boss doesn't know about it. And you know what? It's falling apart. I don't know what to do. Let me tell you what you need to do first thing. You need to start going to Jesus and say, Lord, I'm dying. Or perhaps you might be saying, Pastor, I'm caught up in a storm of life and there's alcohol all around me. There's drugs all around me. There's pornography all around me. It's time for you to wake up Jesus in your life. And then it's time for you to go to Him and say, Lord, I can't do this. I'm going to die without you. I need you to take charge because I can't get me where I need you.
Luke 8, 28, 29, it's what we can to do this morning. And when he saw Jesus, he cried out, fell down before him with a loud voice and said, What am I to do with you, Jesus? Son of the most high God, I beg you, do not torment me. And he had commanded the unclean spirit to come out of the man. But it ought to be seized him. And he was kept under guard, bound the chains and shackles, and he broke the bonds and was driven by the demons into the wilderness. That's why this guy was possessed. He lived in tomb. He would oftentimes harass people who came by. Sometimes large groups of people would get together. They would try to hold this guy down. They would shackle him with chains. Yet eventually he would break the chains. Jesus came. The Bible tells us that Jesus ordered the demons come out of him. This is verse 29. He had commanded the unclean spirit to come out of the body. You've learned already when it comes to looking in the body, there's going to be distractions. The devil's not going to be happy. He's going to use things and things that are important to you to try to keep you from doing God's work. You've learned that when it comes to speaking to God, you need to look past the wind and the seas and go straight to Jesus. You've learned that Jesus thinks of you as more important than anything else that's going on in this book. He thinks you're more important than the winds and the seas. You've also learned that the winds and seas recognize you. But to me, what's this sermon about? This is about a demon who recognizes you as the authority of the What's this sermon about? It's about a demon. If a demon obeys Jesus, how much more should a Christian? How much more should a Christian obey Jesus? How much more should we be at His feet? How much more should we be saying, "Lord, reveal Your will to me"? You speak, I obey. You want it done, I will do it. Lord Jesus, I am Your servant. Do.
people obey. Number three, demons obey. How much more for those of us who know The winds and the seas obey, demons obey, the dead obey. John 8, 47 tells us, He who is of God hears God's word. Therefore, you do not hear, because you are not
the children of Israel have forsaken your covenant, Lord. They've torn down your altars. They've killed your prophets with the sword. And I alone am left. And they seek to take my life. You know what it's really saying? The boat is rocking. There's a storm of life going on around. The rain is coming down. The thunder is clapping. The boat is sinking. I need someone to stand up and say, Behold, the Lord passed by, and a great and strong wind flew into the mountains and broke the rocks and pieces before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. Now I want to come back to you. Would you be willing to come? Good, good, good. 
No more distractions. No more excuses. No more stony ground. Nothing but good ground. Bring it forth, fruit, some 30, some 60, 100. Oh, Lord. You're willing to stand in the sun. Then the word of prayer is spoken to you. And you say, come to me, you're holy and righteous. And I pray, Lord God Almighty, you will speak right now. Speak to me with your children, Lord. Let them know they need you, Father God. And I pray, Lord, you will call them. And I pray, Lord God, you give them strength and courage, Lord. If they need to come, would you let today be the day they come? Would you let those, Father God, who need to repent and come home, would you let today be the day? Would you pray, Lord God, with me, Jesus, that they would remember and be your children? I'm asking you, Father God, to respond to the answer, Lord God, and be your Father God.